what's going on. I'm Vince Mancini. You're listening to a bonus broadcast. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, I interviewed uh, Luke O'Neill. I'm a big fan of his newsletter. He's a writer. He writes uh, He writes a newsletter now. It's called uh, Hell World. Um, I was going to interview him and then maybe slot it in to the longer uh, broadcast, but uh, we went a little long, And I, but I liked all of it, so I think it's pretty good. I think I'm just going to release it as a separate episode um so you guys can listen to that whole thing and you'll get a whole other separate broadcast tomorrow with the full crew um so anyway here's me talking to luke o'neill i hope you guys enjoy it all right all right i'm good uh, how's that tom yeah you sound good all right all right uh luke o'neill the uh the the, the newsletter is called hell world you know, it's funny. I was uh, I was talking to one of my friends maybe like a week before you started it, and she was like, "Do you know any good newsletters to sign up for?" And I hadn't really thought about. I, I like I was sort of starting to think about newsletters as a thing, but uh, and I was like, "Yeah, that makes uh, newsletters are great. It's like the the non shitty part of the internet now." Yeah, it's weird. It's definitely not new to have a newsletter. Like people have been doing this for a long time now. But like, you know how like every now and again, things cycle back to old shit and it's like cool again. Yeah. And it almost feels like newsletters. It's like people are doing newsletters and they're discovering this untapped territory. But it's basically just a blog that you get in your email instead of having to go to the URL. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, like the Internet was like there was a period where it was actually fun and then clickbait sort of started to happen. And then like fast forward to now and it's like it's hard to even find the non shitty content and yeah, like news newsletter seems like a way to bring it back to things that you could actually read. Well, no, it's funny that you say that because, like, I remember you, you, you're you the film drunk guy, right? Yeah, film, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I said that. <laughs> I remember whatever it was, like, seven, eight, ten years ago, you used to go to a site. You'd type in the name of the site, and you'd go, and you'd read everything on it. And I would do that for film drunk. I used to think it was great, you know, and, and – uh, whatever the other ones were, TV without pity or whatever it was. Uh, uh, and you would type in URLs and actually go and read the site. And then in the past five or six, seven years, whatever it was, that disappeared. Right. And now we only see shit from Twitter or Facebook, right? Right. And, and that killed all a bunch of the blogs. Uh, I, I think it might have fucked you guys up. I, don't, I, I forget what happened with the whole thing over there, but... I, I, it definitely killed a lot of good sites. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you still go to websites. I don't go to websites anymore. I go to Deadspin and that's it. I don't know. Yeah. Every now and again, the ringer, I go to the ringer and there's two websites that I go to. Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, I, I, I was going to ask what your like journey was, but I mean, like for me, like, yeah, I used to write film drunk and it was, that was back in the day when like each site was run by like one or two or three people and they each had like a distinctive voice, you know? And, and it really seemed like, it seems like so, uh, such a nicer time now when people actually visited websites based on, um, writing voice. And now like it's gone because just the way everything's been redesigned, it's all about, 
getting people to click through and click on a headline instead of just like scrolling one site and getting one impression, you know? Um, right. And but let me, t- let yeah. me tell you why this is cool. The newsletter thing is cool because, and I'm like, I, you know, you probably, you've been following me on Twitter for a while. I'm a super fucking pessimistic guy. Um, but it's kind of cool because from what I found, people are hungry to support people that they trust and like again, which is weird, right? Because there was that whole period when we were like, you know, in our heyday of blogging and whatever, people didn't want to spend any money on anything. And now it's almost come back around full circle where people are like, all right, I haven't paid shit in like 10 years. Let me throw a few bucks at people that I actually like. Right. You know what I mean? And then it's, I mean, it's like they realize that content is so bad a lot of the time. And I think part of that's because like advertising is this weird like house of cards now where it's like one person one company's paying for like a certain amount of impressions and then a lot of times it's it feels like there's like three or four different ad companies like all paying each other and so like the content is this weird like you're you're partly writing for people but i mean not necessarily me personally but you're like but people are like partly writing for people but largely they're writing to try and get like impressions and satisfy like three different ad companies and there's just something there's something beautiful about and i we do it on the podcast too where it's like somebody wants to pay us for content and so we make content it's like you're paying one person for a service and it's really simple it's amazing and like i i I, you know i think we both come from like the you know y2k blogging era or whatever and you remember gawker and all stuff like that and you went you would go to that site because or whatever it was you would trust that whatever was going to be on there was going to be in a voice that you understood and it wasn't going to be someone that was bullshitting you you know right. it wasn't just going to be uh, oh i i could go i want to go off on this in a second but <laughs> the thing the thing that it is now and i i relate it to the the sort of podcast thing like podcasts sort of open this up right um and, you know, everyone looks at the Chapo and all that, that sort of thing. And like, oh, my God, those guys like are making so much money. People want to give money to somebody that they trust and they think is funny and cool and is actually doing something that they want to listen to. And in a weird way, like I feel like people trust something like that or whether it's them or me or you or whoever who's doing a newsletter, they'd rather throw five bucks at an asshole like me mm-hmm. than subscribe to the New York Times, which may or may not be, you know, a good sign of (laughs) things are going. But I but I respect it in a way, because like when you when you subscribe to New York Times, I don't even know what it is because I don't subscribe because fuck them. (laughs) But um, it's like, who's getting that money? You know, right. Who where's it going to? But if you toss five bucks at an asshole like me, you're like, Okay, he's probably getting three fifty of my five bucks, and he, you know if enough people do that, he can go buy a fucking fifteen dollar Negroni that he likes. You right. know? <laughs> and I think I mean I think it actively makes the content better because I mean I remember before like like I mean we've been doing this podcast for like eight years now, and for a while I mean for a long time we just did we just didn't make any money on it, and we thought that was fine. But like there was a period where we we're trying to get. 
ads and you know to get ads like you have to be a certain level and you know we weren't we weren't getting like a hundred thousand downloads a a show like some of these podcasters were like we were we were all right but we weren't that big and so you know we couldn't get very good ads or very much money for it but then we started doing the patreon and like the the percentage of people that listened who donated was like way higher than we ever would have uh like imagined i mean it was like you didn't have to have this broad shitty fandom like you can you can kind of just make what you want and make it like the way you think it should be and 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 it can be so much more specific and it gives you like so much more freedom to write about the shit that you actually want and like not have to not swear or like not have to make it this kind of advertiser friendly or not talk shit on this thing or that thing. Um, and like who all were, what were you, um, when you were freelancing, I mean, you're still freelancing, right? Yeah. 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 So like what, like who all were you trying to, were you writing for, uh, or still are for like the past five years, I was, uh, uh, a a writer at large for Esquire and that was my main job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, during that five years, there was about eight different editors at Esquire and, um, it's a ma- you know, they're part of a massive corporation, Hearst, you know, they're one of the original publishing, you know, uh, conglomerates. Mm-hmm. And so every, you know, six months, somebody was getting fired and we were trying to figure out what we were doing again. And through that time, like I wrote all this amazing shit, everyone agreed that I'm not saying this because I think I'm good, but you know, I was doing a very good job. But then towards the end, like they started only doing this horrible shit. (laughs) My my wife is like waving at me in the corner saying, don't say this stuff. (laughs) I I mean, I don't care. I I don't think we have enough listeners that you're going to piss off someone that's, uh, (laughs) that's going to not hire you. No. Um, but, um, but, but you know, it gets to the, it gets to the point you wanted to talk about clickbait earlier Clickbait doesn't exist anymore. Here's what websites do now. They just, they won't even risk clickbait because they don't know if people are going to click on it. What they will do now is post something that everyone else has already written about and know, like SEO is taking over for clickbait. Like click, there's no, there's no clicks in like, um, you know, the, the, the headlines that are end in a question mark anymore. Mm-hmm. What you do now is you write uh, a 200 words under an Avengers trailer for a movie that's not going to come out for four years. And every fucking moron that is searching for Avengers is going to click on it. It's so fucking disgusting. It's the worst thing. This is worse than the clickbait era. Yeah. And every website is doing this now. And it's like, I always bring up the Stranger Things, like Esquire. I remember they they must have posted like five hundred Stranger Things <laughs> posts. Yeah, and it's not because anyone there believed that it was worth writing about. It was because some fucking bean counter was saying we need these Stranger Things posts. Yeah, you just find whatever's the trending talk topics and fill it with content. It's so easy to do. You just log on in the morning. You look at whatever the the, the the you know the numbers site is, and you're like, oh, people want to see this, and that to me is so offensive. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't want to be like too dramatic about it, but it's very offensive to me, as like somebody who has always. My thing has always been like, I don't have anything wrong with writing about 
stupid horseshit like jack off posts or whatever. But you want to be the first person to introduce the people to the horseshit, you know, and yeah. once it's already like, that's cool. Right. You know, like, um, like finding stuff and saying, here's right. a cool thing. And, and my right. other favorite thing, uh, that they do now or like that happens now is, uh, you know, you have, you have something that you want to know and there's, and, and so you like Google it and a bunch of articles come up and you click on it and every single one, there's like two par- two giant paragraphs that's just internal links to like shit that the, the other stuff on that page. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, and it's like, you know, six years of backstory and then you keep scrolling down looking for the answer to the thing that you try or that you're trying to find out about. And then you realize that the writer doesn't fucking know either. He just wrote right. this entire post where it's just like soaking up the soaking up the that search traffic for that specific thing. Yeah, it's so offensive. I, I what's the what's the main one? I don't know, sell a dish or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. But but here's the thing. That's not even it's not even just bad sites like that. It's sites like Esquire and you know, not to single them out, but you know, that level of site, they're like, you know, they'll do posts like, here's everything we know about the next Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. And I, oh my God, it's, I I don't know. Because Uh, I mean, it's it's, all driven by like advertiser whims and, uh, and they're looking at these numbers and then, you know, like how many people got fired because their publication pivoted to video based on fucking Facebook's fake numbers. Right. And here's the thing. Did you see that story recently where the guy from BuzzFeed, who I will fucking piss on his grave at some point, <laughs> but he's like, um, well, we got to team up with Vox and Vice and BuzzFeed and we got to form this sort of grouping of you know people, which is a fucking union, which <laughs> yeah. he doesn't want to happen with his own employees. He said, we got to band together in some sort of, you know, um, but that's going to happen. Like all these fucking Jonah Peretti and Shane Smith and all these fucking vampires are going to band together and become, you know, one sort of like Wayland Kutani, you know, alien ass spaceship blog site. And uh, what they're going to do is instead of they're going to think like, Oh, we have 15 people writing this bullshit story. We just need one. Right. right. More people are going to get laid off. And it's not going to touch those guys. Like Jonah Peretti and Shane Smith are never going to be in trouble. No. I'll tell you who's going to, like, people like me are going to be in trouble and people like you. Yeah, because we're trying to write a thing. Well, it used to be like you had a very clear value. You could be like, okay, this, you know, uh, this thing did this much traffic. Uh, and therefore I'm worth this much. And then now like everybody kind of knows that the numbers are all a little bit fake to some extent. And right. so it's like weird now, now that's like weird advertiser, uh, publication, uh, d- d- like weird advertorial content. And it's just uh, like, you don't really know. It's very confusing to figure out what your value is. Cause it's like a lot of the, you know, but Buzzfeed was a great example. Cause like they got huge, with like dog shit clickbait and then once you know they got hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital they're like all right now we want to like hire some like prestige journalists and so it's kind of like this weird 
No, it's kind of like when uh, Bill Gates makes a bunch of money and then he decides he's going to like, you know, go dig wells in Africa. Like we're basically all at the whim of what some uh, some person with all the money wants to do. You know what? You thank you for reminding me because like before like 2 years ago, my whole vibe online was despising BuzzFeed and that was like like basically like why you or anybody knows about me is because of all these shitty blog posts I wrote on this site called Bullet about hating BuzzFeed. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hated them for so long. And then once they got their money, once they got their like, you know, shit money, I was like I had to be like fine, they're doing good journalism and they are. Right. And they are. Right. But it was like a scorched earth thing, you know? Like yeah, like you said it's like you know, it's like when we fucking bomb, you know, Mosul or whatever, and then we go in with some bottles of water. You know, it's like they just destroy the Internet landscape. Right. And then we're we're in the position where, like, we're trying to get hired as, like, the prestige writer at one of these places. And so then you're writing, you know, like, good content. But then, like, depending on who's looking at the bottom line at any time, like, you're trying to figure out what is what is worth uh being the loss leader for them you know what i mean right. it's like because right. you know you know like you're not hired to to make the posts that are the viral ones and the seo crap because they have some intern doing that but then so then you're like all right well what is my value based on like who who is the gatekeeper like saying that i'm the prestige writer that they should hire right well yeah no and that happened to me at esquire <laughs> You know, whatever. I got no regrets. Yeah. Um, so the the interesting thing about um, like I like I, I mean I definitely I've been waiting for sort of like the HBO version of the internet for a long time, where sort of people pay for yeah. pre- premium content, and it's sort of you know you can you have more freedom to write for adults, and you're not trying to like keep people's eyeballs every three seconds but i also wonder like now what what happens next when we're all like paying each other like five dollars a month to do to to make stuff like are we gonna have this weird um two-tiered internet where uh like you got the big bang theory of the internet that uh, that all the grandpas are reading and then everybody else is is like paying each other for the premium stuff I don't know. It's weird. I'm on this, like, there's this great um, journalist newsletter called Study Hall, which I subscribe to. And we've been talking about this on uh, on that lately. And it's just, you know, it's just a bunch of journalists trying to figure out what the hell is going on with the landscape lately. And we talked about this newsletter model. And to be honest, you cannot do a newsletter, a monetized newsletter now, unless you've already got a big audience. Right. And I don't have a big audience. I have a medium sized audience. Um, and a certain, I feel like I have an, uh, enough of them are engaged to, for me to be able to make a go at it. You know, um, one of the, one of the other guys that does it, this guy, Judd the gum, from, he was at think progress. He's got, you know, a much bigger, uh, following than me and he's doing it pretty well and he could probably make a, a living at it. Um, and I think that's, what's going to be, it's going to be people like his level are going to make decent money. People on my level are going to be able to sub, uh, you know, uh, supplement our income. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is going to be, you know, make a few bucks. But here's the thing. If you can make, 
if you can get a hundred people to pay you two dollars a month, that's not nothing, right? You know, um, it, it's definitely not the sign of a healthy <laughs> writing ecosystem, whatever it is. But I would encourage people to go out on their own right now because none of the places you work for care about you and they'll fire you at a moment's notice. And, you know, there's no honor amongst media. Right. You know? I mean, it's funny just the stuff that's probably going uncovered right now because no one has the money to, like none of these media companies uh, want to spend the money to send someone to go do investigative reporting or to spend, you know, to spend even like a full day reporting yeah. something as opposed to just, you know, like pumping out six posts on whatever the trending topics are. So like big shit happens and then everybody's like, huh? Oh, I don't know. Nobody was out there to, nobody was out right. there to write about it. Yeah. If you're going to get 350 bucks either way, whether you go to a place or you just like aggregate it, you're going to aggregate it, you know? And they're not, the places aren't giving you expenses to go travel and things like that anymore. It's a, uh, it's a really bad time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of my, uh, one of my, like a friend of a friend recently, this was like maybe a month ago, was like in the back of an, of, of a, of a lift and someone pulled up next to the lift and shot the driver in the head while he was in the back seat. Oh my God. And, uh, and I, I think there's been like two news stories about it. Like someone just came up alongside the car, like shot the driver and drove off. And then there was like two, two news stories that were like, Oh yeah, we think it was like a road rage incident. <laughs> and he was like, it was definitely not a road rage in- incident, but like no one, I, I feel like there's probably shit like that. That's just happening now that no one's even, that you don't even really hear about cause there's not <laughs> enough people covering it. Yeah, because oh, sorry, it just somehow opened a weird thing. Um, yeah, because it, especially as like local newspapers are shutting down, local newspaper sites, and and like you know here in Boston where I live, like the Boston Herald just got gutted. They were like the second newspaper, and you know they fucking sucked, but you still want them. You know what I yeah. mean? It's the New York Post type of thing. It's like. You know, they they do good work sometimes, and they're like a the little dog nipping at your toes. You know, like you want them there, and that's happening all across the crunch all across the country. Sorry, I had a couple cocktails. <laughs> hey, it's, it's par for course on this show. Yeah, yeah, it's happening all across the country, and uh, it's bad. It's real bad. And I'd rather have, like, I'm not a both sides guy. I fucking hate both sides. But I would rather have every city have, you know, two newspapers. One to be like the New York Times, Boston Globe, LA Times paper. And one to be like the one that's looking, actually cares about city hall and state representatives and shit like that. Which which is what the Boston Herald, to their credit, did. And which the New York Post did. Like... There's all these minor assholes that aren't going to make the New York Times that are getting away with shit now mm-hmm. because there's no dude like there's no like, you know, the frumpy dude in his shitty suit and goes <laughs> and sits at the court every day. Like, yeah, those dudes aren't there anymore. But those dudes are fucking heroes. Like, seriously, like those dudes that went and like sat at the state house every day for 30 years, like people do not respect those dudes, but those dudes are heroes and they're going to be gone. Like they might be gone now, but they're going to be gone soon. And I don't know. Some fucking 23 year old, you know, Buzzfeed dork is not going to go do that job. Right. Um, I don't know. So 
I was going to ask about you. Uh, so like you, so you've been, have you always been in Boston? I, uh, I've lived here most of my life. I, I lived in New York for a while early in my career and I spent a little time in DC, but, um, but for the most part, I'm, um, you know, a true and true mass hole. Mm-hmm. And you're in a band. I am in a band called no hope, no harm. And, I, I was in a band most of my 20s, but um, me and my friend, who was in a great band called The Shield Divine, uh, we just decided to, you know, give it another go. Not to, like, try to make it, you know, because we're a little old for that now. <laughs> right. but just to write songs and have fun. And it, I tell you what, and to bring it back with Hell, to Hell World, I just did a, a Hell World newsletter today where I talked to all of, uh, these friends of mine who were in super famous, well, not super famous, but like very famous punk rock bands and about how shitty it is to be in a band. <laughs> and like, let me tell you, like, like this band, we're just kind of fucking around writing songs. My old band in my twenties, we were really going for it. And, you know, we did it a little bit, but like it fucking sucks to be in a band. And it was nice to hear from these dudes who I like super respect, like, it sucks to be in like a good band too. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, you it guys say sucks. that, but like as a like as a as as a comedian, I feel like um you know, we 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 look at these like even the guy in like the cover band uh that's playing at the local bar. Like I'm looking at those guys and I'm like I'm, I'm pretty sure these guys get laid just for being the local cover band. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like yeah. in terms of co- comedy, like you have to be like one the in the top 10 comedians in the country or else like you definitely, there's definitely no groupies like in the comedy scene. No, dude, the cover band is fucking killing it by the way. Don't uh, you, you compared to the comedians, but here's a funny story. I went to, um, you know, Josh Gondolin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So me and my wife were we we like him. We were gonna. I'd never seen him on live before. We went to see him the other night at uh, Laugh Boston. And we get there and I mixed up the date, and uh, it wasn't him. I'm like, oh, do you want to come in anyways? I'm like, oh, I guess so. We're all the way here. And it was Sam Tripoli. I don't know if you know him. I actually do. Yeah. Yeah, and he's very different from Josh Condon. <laughs> yes. And uh, it was not the sweetheart type of nice guy. <laughs> comedy i was expecting um but he was he was funny he was a talented comedian i'm trying to think of like the music equivalent of going to see josh gondelman and then then getting sam tripoli you you could tell you were going to see uh uh, bell and sebastian show and it was slayer i guess i don't (laughs) know maybe not that hard but um but you know yeah I, i i am fascinated by the like the parallels between comedians and bands and I was trying. I was thinking about this at that show. I wasn't laughing at any of the jokes. I was thinking about, does this suck more shit than being a touring band? I feel like I feel like it has to. Well, here's the thing: you don't have to lug shit around. So when you're a comedian, that you can't underestimate how great that is to not have to lug shit around. That's, you know what I mean? That's true, but at the same time, the great thing about music is that people can talk amongst themselves when they're watching music, like. Right. People go to a bar and then like music comes on and like oh cool a band like when right. you when you go up and you do comedy in some shitty bar like you can just feel like the palpable uh, reaction of the room where they're like ah oh, fuck we gotta like stop talking and listen to this asshole now. And, well, that's true, and I get that, and 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 but I think like the silences just come more frequently for you guys. Mm-hmm. Like when you play a song and you're like putting your whole heart into it and you're killing it. 
if for four minutes and then nobody claps, that is so demoralizing. <laughs> yeah. If you like if you like tell a bit, you do a bit for like thirty seconds and no one's claps, bang, you're on to the next one, you know? That's I'm saying my hypothesis it's worse to be in a band than to be a comedian. I uh I, I'm gonna I still I'm still gonna have <laughs> to know, disagree with that. I take it back because even if you're in a bad band, people still think you're cool and nobody thinks comedians are cool. Yeah, so. I mean, you can have fun playing a song like regardless of the audience's reaction, whereas like right. you definitely are not having fun telling the same joke you've told 300 times and no one's paying attention to it. And right. yeah, and, and like you can just tell because like the open mic spots will only last for so long because it immediately chases out half the customers of the bar. Whereas like live music is still a bit of a draw. Well, Dwight, were you doing open mics at like a, like a, like a surprise, like kamikaze open mic? Is that how it goes? I mean, like there's only so many comedy clubs and then those open mics are usually shitty. So like a lot of, a lot of open mics, you know, tended to happen in bars and yeah. uh you know like there'd be a sign out front but a lot of the times people would be in there and then you like move a couple tables out of the way and you set up a stage and then and then half the audience leaves when the comedy starts would you ever try going on in here this is a little tip for me do you ever try going on uh this this podcast uh what the fuck with mark Marin? <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good one i should try and it, should, no, yeah. just a little tip and uh yeah. another one comedy bang bang you might want to check that one out yeah I that, that's pretty good yeah that that's more for my co-host matt i've mostly stopped uh trying to do stand-up comedy it's not uh not that fun um no well as we as we just figured out yeah so- yeah uh, so I was reading the the today's newsletter with uh, Riley and the other guy. We had Riley on a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh yeah, he's a great. But yeah. I was just thinking about uh, Inside Lewin Davis, and I think I, I really I really liked that. Uh, I mean, that's what, one of my favorite movies. Um, and I, there's a lot of good, uh, you know, how much it sucks to <laughs> to be be a musician right, in that right, one. Right. It, well, people are people are really ranking Coen Brothers movies lately. That's like a thing that's going on. Yeah, I avoided it. I, I I thought about it, but I don't know. Like, I feel like there's other filmmakers where I, I want to rank them, and the Coen Brothers, I don't really have that much interest. I like most of them. Well, do you want to know what my favorite movie is since you asked me? Yes. Are you gonna judge me for it? I mean, maybe. I can't. I can't. I, okay, I, well, I, don't, I can't predict the future. It's gonna be two, and I'm gonna give it to you right now. And one of them is a Coen Brothers movie, and it's called a little something called The Big Lebowski. Yeah, of course. And my other one is a little something called R.I.P. William Goldman, The Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, those are um, I, I, those are those are. Uh, is that super normie? Am yeah. I super normie for liking that? Those, <laughs> those are both great movies, but you're definitely not breaking any new ground saying those are your favorite. <laughs> No, I, I'm not a cinephile. You know what? I don't even respect the art of cinema. <laughs> I really don't. It's not like a bit. I think movies are bad art form. Uh, well, I, f- I feel like they are too married to the uh, the time format. Like, the, yeah. like the, the, uh, we have this idea that like it has to be two hours. And I'm like, I don't, I feel like you could do a 45 minute movie and I'd be fine with it. You know what I feel like you could do? And maybe this is just me spitballing here, but... You could take the concept of a movie, right? Break it up into fifty-minute, you know, chunks, so to speak, and then spread it out over, say, ten installments. Yeah, 
And then you could watch it at home maybe too. Right, you could watch it at home. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. In each installment, they would have a little arc in each one, right? It wouldn't be the whole story, but it would keep you like wanting to see the next one. Kind of like episodic. Episodic, yeah. Yeah, people, yeah someone, I, someone should try that. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Uh, I get a lot of ideas in my head. I'm kind of a creative guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we'll pitch that around. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Um, Is that enough for you, Deb? Am I, am I going off the rails? No, you're not going off the rails. I just, uh, I feel like we, I feel like we did good. I feel like uh, that was good. We talked for longer than I was, than I was did expecting. We did we cover it? I think we covered it. Okay, make sure you tell. Your listeners to listen uh, to subscribe to Hell World, and also I want to shout out my buddy Justin, who's a big fan of yours. So he listens. So he's a good kid. And I wrote a story recently about like um, on the Hell World about when I was a kid, and we were all standing on a fence, and this kid got his arm ripped off, uh-huh. and his bicep got ripped off on the fence. And it was him. And he told me the other day that was him. And I was like, I thought it was this other dude. And he's like, no, that was me. So shout out to Justin for getting his arm ripped off. Uh, Don't you the- wish that you'd written shit, shit like that down when you were, when you were a kid? I did. I, I, I mean, I wish I did, but I don't remember anything. So there, it all blends together. So anyone who's reading my, my newsletter, just be assured it's probably me misremembering everything. Mm-hmm. Did you want to respond to Mobute on Twitter, who uh, wanted to know about your uh, your your Morrissey tattoos? Oh God, I've known. So I don't. I love Morrissey, and I'm gonna go down with the ship with Morrissey. I think as a man, I don't care about him. He's a piece of shit. Um, but it's just too late for me to to give up on the music. You know, like. We suspected he was a shitbag racist, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until like the past few years that we really knew that it was true. You know, you could look the other way for a while, but you can't really anymore. So, so fuck, fuck him as a person. But I'm just not going to, I can't give up the music. It's just too late by now, you know? Yeah. I can I'm, get, if you want to cancel me on Twitter for that, I guess you can, but. I mean, we do this thing where we put musicians on a pedestal, like everything, you know, Bob Marley says is like quote worthy for some reason. And it's like, no, it's like, he's kind of doing a magic trick. I don't know that he's, I don't know that every person that makes good music, uh, is like a font of wisdom. Right. No. Yeah. You know, John Lennon was a piece of shit too. <laughs> right, right. Like, uh, I, you can separate it. It's hard. It's harder with comedy, you know, like the whole Louie thing is tough. Yeah, you know, or they, Norm. Right. I'm having I'm having a hard time with Norm lately because that that, oh, no that was point. a big one for me. I I uh, well, here's what I do. I don't look at Norm now. I I can go back and watch his old clips on Conan or whatever on YouTube. It's the most brilliant thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And Morrissey, I don't care about him now, but I can go back and listen to the Smiths, and it's like, you know, you, you, it's, it's a different person. You know, I'm a different person than I was when I was 25 or 20, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm racist now. I wasn't before. <laughs> yeah. You know? So we'll end so, on that. Like, you know, don't be afraid to compartmentalize with your heroes. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Newsletter's called Hell World. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay, bye. I see it.